Hello, everybody. We are the podcast who has no name, and today I am joined by Emma. Good afternoon. John. Hello. Gareth. Hello. Lucy. Good day. And I'm your host, Len. Uh, so we're all a bit devastated because Game of Thrones is officially finished for another year. Mm. Um, it's very sad times, but we thought we'd come to you with a wrap-up podcast, which is going to cover some crazy tinfoil theories and what we thought went well and what we think didn't go well this season and what our sort of predictions are hopefully for next year. Just a quick spoiler warning, we will be spoiling everything from season seven of Game of Thrones, as well as quite a lot of stuff from the books, quite a lot of prophecies that might surprise people. So if you don't want to hear anything about from the books, then uh, feel free not to listen, but nothing too major as the books finished or still haven't caught up to where we are now. So guys, what was your favorite part of the season, Gaz? My favorite part was actually probably... um, uh, two kind of similar things, I guess. Two character arcs that came all the way around. Um, so the Greyjoy redemption, I loved. Yay. Also, some hopefully some very good foreshadowing for Jon Snow himself, where he says, mm. you, know, "You don't have to choose between being a Greyjoy and a Stark. You're, you don't have to choose." <laughs> 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 and also, Book Jamie finally entering. Um, the show yeah that was that was important I thought yeah um, Jamie's leaving Cersei finally setting up to potentially kill her was rather than all the dragons and all that was like the best bit yeah John well I mean you all know that the Hound's my favourite character so uh, just him I thought he was uh, flawless this season good mixture of redemption but also good humour um mm. And then the uh, in the last episode, that little, uh, you know, I'm I'm coming for you, brother. That was like uh, absolutely quality. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Um. The first opening scene with Arya, uh, just wiping out the phrase was fantastic. Yeah. That's um, great. What about you? I'm just gonna say I'm the obvious one, but that the field of fire number two or the attack on the loot train or whatever it was was just the first thing I remember seeing for years. Like that was probably ever that's on TV that I was just so excited. Um, that was just this, the special effects and and the fact that Jamie and Bron were on one side and Danny and Tyrion were on the other. And you, you didn't really want any of them to die. I thought that was just such an interesting yeah. concept of a battle. Um, that I haven't really seen yeah. before. I absolutely loved it. And to see, you know, we've heard rumours about, and we've always wanted to see the dragons in Westeros, like doing something, and to finally see them against like a proper army and to see them just absolutely <laughs> obliterate this army was just, it was so good. What do we think was the major flaw of the season? I'm going to come to you first on this, John. Always start with me on the negatives. Yes. Um, <laughs> Just character development, uh, the pacing of the story, uh, way too much uh, suspension of disbelief needed when seeing one person appear in multiple places uh, in the space of like five minutes. Um, Ultimately, uh, uh, this could have been something that the season itself, in terms of the plot, uh, could have been drawn out over two seasons, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And it probably would have been fine. I think the spectacle has been unprecedented for TV. Sometimes it has been at the expense of any substance or plot or character development. I agree with John on most of his criticisms, and I also think, having spoken to non-book readers, a lot of them have said, oh, I like the fact that stuff's just happening fast, whereas I think book readers... I didn't mind a journey to Winterfell taking a whole season and stuff happening on the way and you having, you know, development that way. The first couple of episodes, I I really didn't think very good at all. I thought the dialogue was shonky. Shonky is not a word that comes up. (laughs) Hey, what though? It's brilliant. Get her in the right room. She's coming coming out from a new angle. (laughs) Um, Gaz, what do you think of the season, bro? I was thinking about the first few episodes. And I couldn't really remember what happened in them. No. And I guess that's a bad sign, isn't it? If it's sort of that 
that's forgettable. And I largely agree with everyone. It was a brilliant season, probably from episode four onwards, and the spectacle was fantastic. Um, but you're right in saying those first couple of episodes, I could not tell you what happened apart from that amazing opener with Aria and the phrase. Um, and I think we've talked a lot about the frustrations we've had as book readers in the rushing and the complete lack of realistic travel. I think the showrunners, um, I think they've got a pretty tough job on their hands because it's the first time I can think of where the sh- a show has overtaken the source material. Um, mm. And I think the problem that they have is they're fed up with it. It's taken up like seven years of their life and they want to get it done. So, which is why they're rushing around, which is a shame, but I still think, I still think we're getting good spectacle out of it. And I think this season has still been amazing. I've still enjoyed watching it over and over again, multiple times. And we've obviously liked it because we've sat around and talked about it for probably in excess of about 12 hours. Um, So obviously they're still doing something right. But I think, um, I think when they met with Gurm or George RRM, um, to discuss what actually happens because he obviously had to tell them what's going to happen in the books so that they could build the show around it. They He's obviously just given them bullet points of like um, probably stuff like, you know, John and Danny meet each other. Um, you know, they go to capture, they go to capture a white, uh, they have a meeting in the dragon pit. I reckon they've just get, they, you know, he's just given them these bullet points and they've had to plot the course which is why we've got all this rushing because, because you know, they're not like George. They're not as good writers as him. So they're not able to get all the characters there in a satisfying, satisfying way. So they just had to do it. I think they've done a pretty good job considering that they must have just been like, Jesus, I'm, we thought the books would be done by now. Like we all did. And they've had to really sort of like riff on just bullet points, I reckon. Just while we're talking about this though, uh, the whole um, time travel, well, time travel, uh, no. Well, that, see, that's the problem. That, that's how you describe it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I've been doing a, a bit of reading and a few people have come up with some good points. Like, um, the whole Red Wedding was caused because, um, because Rob Stark needed to be able to cross the bridge. Like, yeah. that was such an important part of yeah. um, the geography of it. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a geography teacher and I'm <coughs> passionate about the subject. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the geography of Westeros is, is crucial to it. Like, you you have to understand it and you have to understand the great distances that they're travelling and the, the difficulties that are involved with getting from one place to another. And the one major, major events in the whole series is the Red Wedding that is caused by the fact that they have to cross this bridge. Yeah. And yet, since then, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, fuck it. Let's just let's just teleport from place to place. Yeah. That's a um, really good way to yeah. explain it. Yeah, I like that. Mm. Now let's get on to the best part of the episode, Crazy Tinfoil Theory Time and Predictions. Um, so we've got some theories for you. We've got we've got some good theories. We're going to start a section on the Night King and the White Walkers or the others, because obviously at the end of this season, they have just broken the wall and they are on their way to cause chaos, probably heading towards Winterfell probably will be there very at soon at the start of next season. I think this is interesting. Have you guys ever thought about the fact that George R.R. R. Martin never writes good and evil as absolutes, right? And he's always said that he loves Lord of the Rings, but the one thing that he doesn't like about that sort of fantasy and what he's trying to do is that there was just, you know, absolute evil versus absolute good. And, yeah. and that that he doesn't like that and his characters as we know like Jamie even Cersei a little bit and all these other characters are as we've said shades of grey and they have the capacity for good and for evil yeah. so what I'd like to put to the table is the fact that maybe the Night King and the White Walkers aren't necessarily evil and we just at this point in time do not understand their motives because I don't mm-hmm. believe they're going to have no motives so I'm going to throw some things out there and I want to see if you guys you guys agree or disagree with them so we know they're intelligent they've obviously got a hierarchy right so they've probably got like lieutenants in war like like, like similar to the men you know so we know they team, came team leader team leader team yeah leader. team leader. sales we, we know they came from men because we saw the first one possibly the night king be created by the children of the forest right so 
what what do we think their motives are? What now? The last time the long night happened, it, um, the children of the forest created the White Walkers, and then obviously it got out of hand. And the first men, it got it got seriously out of hand. What were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus. But um, they had to team up with the first men. The first men, the children of the forest, had to team up to defeat, so supposedly defeat the White Walkers, and then Brandon the Builder built the wall and sort of shut off the north to sort of protect the realms of men from the White mm. Walkers, right? But what if that isn't true? What if, what if there was never a winner in that war? What if, like, say... There was a truce. Yeah, a truce where they said, this is our territory. You don't come past it. We'll put the White Walkers said this. We'll put the wall up. If you come past the wall and don't give us, say, children sacrifices, which is what Craster was doing with the babies, we will come mm-hmm. south and we will destroy you. And And maybe that was potentially, you know, what happened. There was no winner. And then basically... The Night's Watch had been raiding past the wall. There hadn't been enough offerings of children for the White Walkers to replenish their, you know, like, people. And, yeah. and and that's why they're coming south. What do you guys think to that? So this 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 was this was the uh, one thing I was going to bring to the table today. So cheers for taking that. No worries, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is, it's like, it's so important. And I think the... The biggest thing from it that I would have to say is that the, the thing that you led with, the fact that George R. R. Martin doesn't doesn't write evil and good characters really. Um, yeah, it would be it would just be unusual for to be this this sort of race of people that are just inherently evil. Yeah, and I think that that alone makes you have to think about it twice. But the theory is is really good because. Basically, what they what what people have gone into detail about is that possibly there was this war that ended that might have been sealed by some sort of marriage. Yes, that, uh, the sort of Stark ancestors might have been a part of. Yeah, and then um, you know, basically Daenerys and her dragons could be a threat to um, the sanctity of this this piece of as well. Yeah. So you, you, know, you think about it, it might have all started during the time of the awakening of the dragons. Yeah. And, um, and just on that, the awakening of the dragons, how, so a, a big theory about why, how do they know about the dragons? Right. So if you remember at the start of season two and at the start of the second book, there's a red comet that can be seen in the sky. Um, and the theory is that this comet signaled the birth of the dragons and every character in the books when they read it can see the comet and it's a running thread throughout the start of Clash of Kings the second book and at the start of the second season you can see it and it links the characters together maybe the White Walkers potentially saw the red comet and were like wait a minute we have you know we thought this 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 magic was done and it was and now it's a threat to us so we've got to go and take it out what do you think about they, that? They bang on about it constantly in, um, in in the second book. Like it's just always there. They're like, oh, the red comet, and oh, it was a sign from the drowned god, or it was a sign from the god of fire, or it was a sign from the old gods. Like everybody's got their own interpretation of it, but it's just constantly appearing mm. in that second book, and um, there must be some kind of deeper meaning to it. Yeah, and you're, that would that would make so much sense, definitely. Yeah. Um, the next kind of thread to that theory, I guess, is that, again, going back to the whole Song of Ice and Fire and Jon Snow as a Targaryen slash Stark, you know, Targaryens representing fire, Starks representing ice. But um, in addition to that, with the Starks sharing um, some ancestry with, potentially with the others, yep. uh, with Walkers, um, he is the one who will kind of bring peace between the two. I think you can kind of almost make a comparison as much as they're opposite, but like Danny wants to break the wheel and the others are, they were essentially men and men want power. That's what everyone wants in the show. Everyone's trying to take the throne. Yeah. As much as they're not trying to take the throne, they are still trying to like, I don't know, 
men, is maybe it? They're breaking the wheel by destroying everything and there's a compulsion within them to do that. So either yeah. way, the wheel could be broken, whoever wins. We know nothing about their background, so we can only speculate on their motivation because we don't see anything or hear anything really from their point of view. So as much as we talk about... <laughs> George, um, never creating like absolute evil or absolute good. There's always an ambivalence there. You know, no one's inherently evil. Um, we've never had the opportunity to understand the others, white walkers and whites, from anything other than someone else's perspective. I think that's a very good point. And just a question for John. Do you think mm. that we will, in season eight, do you think we will have a conversation from the white walkers with maybe john with someone understanding their point of view or because how else are we going to understand what they want i think that uh, there'll be some sort of communication like uh, i'd be amazed if there's no like dialogue uh between uh the white walkers or even or even the night king um and whoever else he's fighting john danny whoever brand um yeah, or Bran. Yeah, I think there'll be some sort of communication. I think it would it would look shit if it's if they just have a conversation. We just start speaking English. That'd just be weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be weird. That would be weird. You like, like broken English? Yeah, just um, like a sort of Turkish accent or something. <laughs> <laughs> Mexican. Oh my god! Yeah, I think in the books they do have a language, and it's and it's described as like ice cracking. Like it, that is their language. What is that? No, I'm no, serious. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, serious. Right. I'm serious. There is. Here is. Yeah. I'll back yeah. Len up on that. That is correct. Yeah. I think. I think they literally say a voice like ice cracking. Yeah. It's when like your your freezers just automatically defrosting. That's, <laughs> that's actually trying to. <laughs> oh god. That's your freezer trying to warn you about the winter. The long night. But but even if they are just. Uh, they are just on the attack. Um, as long as there's like some sort of, yeah, as long as there's like an explanation that, uh, yeah, it's because the southerners or anyone that's south of the wall, uh, they yeah. had some sort of pact that they broke. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and knowingly or unknowingly, um, yeah. they were the ones that, that set up the war. Then yeah. Um, uh, you know, we'll get onto that. I'm, I'm sure in a bit. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about the Night King? So, there's a lot of theories about the Night King, and we are pretty certain that the, the one that we saw get killed in the flashback with Bran when he was being taught all three-eyed Raven stuff uh, with the Children of the Forest, we're pretty sure that's him. And the, the reason is, it's yeah. the same actor. <laughs> like <laughs> that, so that's pretty much, I think, canon that that's him. Um, do we think he was a Stark? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No. Why have to be up there? Well, remember, the first men are all Northerners. <laughs> the first men are all Northerners. All, all, all. When men first arrived to Westeros, they were in the north. There was no Southerners, so it was just the north of the continent. But if he's some kind of king, then it would make sense that he would be a Stark, I reckon. Yes. But okay, so here's the thing. Before I answer my opinion on that. What impact would it have if the Night King is a Stark, do you think? Well, it means that, like we said earlier, they share the same blood and potentially the same abilities, like warging, uh, like why mm. Bran is the three-eyed raven, um, why John has got so much you know, mysticism around him. Like, it, 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 it could help, like Gaz said, broker a peace. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not totally dismissive of it. Um, I wouldn't be stuck, like... I'm, I wouldn't be annoyed if he was a Stark. I just don't think he is. So, have you guys heard the story of the Knights King, which is the uh, which is not the Night King, but the Knights King, who was a Stark? A lot of people get that confused. Yeah. So then you should explain it because yeah. I know a lot of people who are calling him the Knights King. Yeah. So basically, when the wall was first built and they first started the Night's Watch. It, it was quite a prestigious thing, obviously, to be a member of the Night's Watch. It wasn't like all the rapists and murderers that get sent up there instead of getting executed, <laughs> which is what it's turned into now, right? But a Stark, a Stark went and he became the 13th Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. And he basically got seduced by a female other or a female White Walker. And he ended up marrying this, this other... 
and he became known as the Knights King, where he apparently ruled at night, and he was like a tyrant of the wall. And the Starks had to go and defeat him. Um, they had to lead an army from Winterfell to defeat him. Um, so there's this legend of the Knights King. So obviously, there, there, there's another link between in in legend or in the Age of Heroes, they call it, between the Starks and the others again. What do you, what do you think about that? So John could potentially mirror that. Yeah. Um, and therefore give up any potential relationship with his aunt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that, that would be, that would make sense, wouldn't it, from a sort of foreshadowing perspective? Yeah. Uh, yeah this is going to happen again. Yeah. In the show, we haven't seen a female other yet, right? We've only just seen male ones. They all look the same yeah. apart from the Night King, which is quite weird. That's yeah. So maybe they... okay, but we've we've not seen them because what the they don't exist or mm. because they are in some other place. What I think just because I think you're right. Yeah, I think maybe just because all we've seen is the army side of the of the others. They must have like a society and a structure that we're not seeing. Yeah. I don't think they just like ride around on their dead horses, turning people into zombies, and that's it. But I think we did see in season uh, like. Th- it may have been we saw obviously when he turns the baby into a white walker we saw him go yeah. to like that that meeting place that like there was like 13 of them or like a 15 mm. of them or something all gathered around in a circle whilst he turned this baby into a white walker maybe that's yeah. their like city or something but so, um quite nice actually just while you're on this topic my issue with this little theory about um you know the agreement being as long as you donate some of your Babies, whatever, we'll leave you alone. Yep. Craster wasn't cracking up that many kids, like that many male kids. Well, he was. He, well, I don't know. Well, he was, no. Mate. Like, he was doing a few, but think about Quite it. Quite a few. He had a house, he had a house that had women in it, and they were like all his daughters, but it was like 18 women at the most, I'm sure. And no, no, no. I reckon they were more than that. Yeah, and he's getting yeah. pregnant all the time. I yeah. don't well, think he was sacrificing his sons for the good of humanity. I think it was just so he could continue living in his incestuous heart. Yeah. Uh, look, he's a hero. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, like everyone's banging on about Jon Snow and how great he is, and he's banging his arm. Everyone's going, oh, I quite like Jamie, and he's banging his sister. Yeah. So surely Craster's an even bigger hero because all he does is sleep with about 20 of his daughters. <laughs> <laughs> Well, go ahead. I just did a little Google. Uh, there are female whites, but apart from the Night Queen, there are no female white walkers that uh, we have seen. So the Night Queen—that's an interesting—that's an interesting <coughs> topic to move on to. Let's let's go on to that next and discuss what we think, and if we think there will be a Night Queen, if there is a Night King. Does anyone have anything mm. to add on that? I suppose there's two ways to look at it. Is there an existing Night Queen that we haven't seen? No. No. Okay. Or will there be a new Night Queen that is somebody who joins in union with the Night King? Um, so I like this theory, um, and it's it's bang on, 100%, definitely going to happen. So, <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, Cersei will uh, will become the, the Night Queen in Season 8. Wow. Um, so basically, uh, in this theory... Um, I could, I could, uh, I could quote the person that that um, coined it, that wrote this, but uh, but I won't. Um, <laughs> take it for yourself. Take it for your own. Yeah, I'll just take it for can. myself, to be honest. Uh, but no, it was uh, it was posted by Unknown Road zero 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 two. Yeah. So you know, catchy. <laughs> um, but basically, uh, it goes that there have been little hints uh, about. So, see, there's um, uh, there's a little bit of foreshadowing when she's sitting on the throne, uh, and as she breathes, you see like the cold uh, air, her icy cold breath. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also this idea behind uh, her baby, um, and that when uh, the Night King on his dragon uh, goes to King's Landing, yeah, uh, he manages to defeat and then raise the golden company um, as his 
um, army of the dead. Oh God! They then they then start attacking from the south as the others start attacking from the north, and then everyone gets caught in the middle, basically. Um, but in this, it has uh, Cersei standing up for herself. Uh, she then gets killed uh, and then raised again as, as the Night Queen, still pregnant, which would be a bit mad. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, and then eventually, in this theory, uh, it has her being defeated, but the baby's still born. And, uh, and Jamie raises the baby north of the wall. How about that? Jesus Christ. What is this? <laughs> so like it. It'll be the first baby actually born as a white walker, but actually is the new Night King. I am. So I read a little bit about this theory, and I think that the the idea that Cersei becomes a Night Queen definitely has legs as a theory. I did not read quite that much madness um but i do think that that's just baffled me mate um it's brilliant i love it it's fantastically mental um but i do think that the idea of cersei make joining an alliance with the night king is is a legitimate potential for next season and i think that because she doesn't give a shit about anybody else she just wants to rule westeros and actually, at the moment, if you put together the two strongest forces, actually, it makes sense. Gives yeah. her power. I've not really thought about Cersei being the Night Queen, but um, I'm really liking these theories. <laughs> like, I'm really liking that. I really like them. All this will happen in the first 30 minutes of episode one. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to happen. That is nailed on. That is that momental. That is absolutely canon. Let's move on to the prince that was promised. So a lot of the times you've heard, you might have heard us talk about the prince that was promised. It is this legendary figure that is throughout, darted throughout different religions and different prophecies in, in, in Westeros. And it's about, uh, he's called the prince that was promised. He's called Azor Azai. Um, that's the other name. And um, basically, <laughs> it's about, it, we believe it's John. Um, who and this prophecy says that uh, that I'll, I'll read it. I'll set it up. I think this is fine. This is an excerpt from the book. There will come a day after a long summer when the stars bleed and the cold breath of darkness falls heavy on the world. In this dread hour, a warrior shall draw from the fire a burning sword. <laughs> right, that's it. Stop laughing. Right, okay, I'm going to take it again. A warrior. Yeah. What, what do you say? What do you say? Is he worried about. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. War- is it warrior or warrior? Warrior. Warrior. Okay. Right. Let me start. Let me start that bit again. <laughs> In this dread hour, a warrior shall draw from the fire a burning. <laughs> right. That's it. What are you? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> I, I thought I said it right then. No, yeah, you did, yeah, but it's just... Okay, right. It's become this thing. All right, one more time. Right, okay, okay, okay. In this dread hour, a warrior shall draw from the fire a burning sword, and that sword shall be Lightbringer, the red sword of heroes, and he who clasps it shall be Azor Azai, come again, and the darkness shall flee before him. So that's an excerpt talking about the prince that was promised, uh, who we believe to be John, and the darkness we obviously believe to be the White Walkers. Um, even the part about um, saying about, I think there was something red in the sky. Uh, when the stars bleed, that could refer to the comet that we were talking about earlier in the sky. Um, Gaz, do you have any theories about this? Okay, so there's loads of um, loads of reasons, loads of reasons why people um, fully believe this, and why it's pretty much. I mean, it's it's almost as confirmed as can be. I reckon, um, not quite not quite R plus L equals J kind of stuff, but it's, um, it's just, it seems like it's the only way possible because there are times where John dreams about himself being sheathed in like ice and he's got a flaming sword, which, you know, is exactly the theory. There are times (laughs) where, um, uh, Melisandre keep, I mean, she, she's mental. She's like, um, asking to see the prince that was promised and all she keeps seeing is Jon Snow it's like yeah because that's the prince who was promised you idiot like yeah. that, this is when she thinks that the prince who was promised is um, Stannis Baratheon yeah and she keeps to see the prince who was promised and Jon Snow keeps turning up um, so it's him basically 
he is the prince who was promised. However, there is a slightly different reading of this prophecy. And that is that the prince who was promised and Azor Ahai are not the same person. Ooh. Yeah. Azor Ahai is actually the villain oh. in this story. Oh, my and God. The prince who was promised versus Azor Ahai. And oh. Azor Ahai could be, could be Daenerys Targaryen. Oh, my God. She's the one. She's the one who would destroy the world like whether she means to or not she's she's trying to do good things but she you know she's trying to crush the wheel she's trying to break the wheel and in doing that a lot of people are going to die and one of the things that she will probably seek to do is to destroy the white walkers and uh, the others and the prince who was promised his job is to unite everybody and to save the world so that is why Rhaegar um, abducted obviously didn't abduct Lyanna um, to prevent his own sister from taking up that role of Azor Ahai and destroying the world, the world because he's trying to pass on the he's trying to make create his next heir to the throne um, his child of ice and fire who would be Jon Snow the prince who was promised he would be the next in line for the throne rather than Daenerys Targaryen, wow. who would have been next in line for the throne. Ooh. Yeah. I quite yeah. like it. I quite like it. Mm. It's, got, it's definitely got something about it, for sure. I like that. Mm. And it calls I mean, it's back- not correct, it's- but... Yeah. <laughs> definitely not. Um, Go on. Why not? Why not? Well, no, I mean, the reason it's not correct is that um, the, uh, the reading of the prince that was promised... Uh, is actually incorrect uh, as much as everything uh, in the show there's always predictions and uh, prophecies that are misinterpreted yeah. but actually the prince that was promised was promised to those beyond the wall oh I like that as well so so yeah. in that theory John you would be saying that, that John has to sacrifice himself to broker peace between well no well no see and again you know that might be one thing that you could go oh yeah but no so in this other theory uh the prince that was promised to the night king is actually the son or daughter of john and uh, and danny Ooh, i like it so what so yeah. so we're assuming now that danny john has impregnated danny we believe that she can have kids again and then yeah their kid is the sacrifice to broker peace between the White Walkers yeah, and, and mankind. <clears throat> yep, so, so that would be the thing that ends the war. And uh, Danny obviously won't want to give the child up. Oh, my and, God. John's uh, John going to kill her. Have to, have to make that decision. And he'll kill her. And this also ties in slightly with the, uh, the Azora High theory, um, if you take that as separate to the Prince of His Promise, because um, that links mm. into the forging of Lightbringer. So I read yep. some really interesting stuff today. Wait, um, um, can we just say what Lightbringer is for people who don't know what Lightbringer is? Lightbringer is a sword. Yeah, it's it's the prince that was promised, or Azor Azai's sword that seals the darkness <laughs> and you know defeats it. He he has to have a special sword called Lightbringer. So mm. the 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 legend is that the original Azor Ahai. Um, forged the sword uh, after a lot of trouble to be honest um, mm. he spent a lot of time trying to get it right and in the end the only way that he could do it was by um, tempering it with uh, a lover's blood so he killed his wife Nisa um, Nisa was a Nisa Nisa, Nisa. yes yeah. um, so one of the theories that I was looking at today was that if John is Azora High eventually John will kill Danny with, with, uh, to, with to, to get to the sword to create Lightbringer to, to create the sword, yeah, which will then defeat the White Walkers. Yeah, I also like that theory. I like the idea of George R. R. Martin has always described the end of this show as bittersweet. Yeah, he's he's used that several times. He said it's not going to be your usual uh, the good good triumphs over evil story, and we don't think it will be. He's always described it as bittersweet, and I see. Either John or Danny die. We've said this multiple times throughout the season. We don't think that they're both going to, you know, rule happily ever after. 
we think there's going to have to be some sort of sacrifice. And I like the idea that they, they fall in love and there's this quite Shakespearean element to it where John is going to have to potentially either sacrifice himself or, or sacrifice Danny to save the world. What do you guys think mm-hmm. about that? Yeah, no, I, I think it's going to happen. What I would say, though, is that I, I, I do think that, I think that will happen. I think John will end up having to sacrifice Daenerys. But what I can't see happening is if they do have kids or kid, I can't see, I cannot see either of them giving up the kid. Mm. That just, that, yeah. that wouldn't, that wouldn't work. It wouldn't track with John. It wouldn't, wouldn't track with their moral no. compass, would it? I think we're on, to, I think in there, we've got the ending of the show. Um, but which one will be right? But let's move on to the prophecy of the Valencar or Cer- mm. Cersei's death. Let's. So if we, if if we if we believe that, um, say that she doesn't become the Night Queen and all this jazz. But let's let let let's see what happens. How we think she's going to die because there is a prophecy in the books, probably the most accurate prophecy that we've had to date. Um, and I'm, I'm going to do another reading, so hold your breath. So oh, Cersei goes to see Maggie the Frog, which we've talked about several times during this po- this podcast season. Um, and it's a fortune teller who prophesizes pretty much, you know, what she's going to do for the rest of her life in terms of who she marries, how many kids she has, blah, blah, blah. When will I wed the prince, she asked. Never. You will wed the king. I will be queen, though asked the younger her. Aye, malice gleamed in Maggie's yellow eyes. Queen you shall be until there comes another, younger and more beautiful, to cast you down and take all that you hold dear. All right, okay, so so far, kind of along the right lines. Will the king and I have children, she asked. Oh, aye, six and ten for him and three for you. The old woman was not done with her, however. However, Gold shall be their crowns and gold their shrouds, she said. And when your tears have drowned you, the Valenquire shall wrap his hands around your pale white throat and choke the life from you. So that's the Maggie the Frog prophecy. Mm. So far, so good with that prophecy. So we know that she didn't marry the prince. She always thought that she was going to marry Rhaegar, the prince, who she adored. But that never happened. Robert overthrew, killed Rhaegar. The Robert's Rebellion happened. Robert became the king. And she did wed Robert when he was king. We also know that there's a she'll be queen until there comes another younger and more beautiful to cast you down and take all that you hold dear. We believe that to be Danny. Potentially, we it could have been Marjorie, but she's that's what drove her to the point of killing Marjorie because she believed that was going to happen. And in terms of the children, I mean, they say that six and ten for him. So Robert's bastards, he would have 16 bastards, which we know uh, we know that she killed. And three for you, which we know she's had, golden hair and golden shroud. So they've got golden hair and they all died. So, so far, so good with that prophecy. Um, the only thing that's throwing a spanner in the works is her new pregnancy, which is why none of us, I think, believe that she's going to have a kid unless it's the weird theory we talked about earlier um (laughs) which is fucking mental um so who do we think the valencar is now the valencar translates in high valerian to little brother like what what most people are thinking is that valencar is Tyrion, but then there is this other very popular theory that no it's jamie because um he was born like seconds after, or well, just after um, Cersei, because she they're twins, obviously, but she came out first. Yeah, and he popped up. Um, so the people are thinking like, oh yeah, the trick here is that everybody's going to think Tyrion is the Valencar because mm. he's the younger brother. Yeah, but mm. actually, it's it's Jamie who is, even though they're twins, he's actually the younger brother. Okay. So he's the going to kill it. That's what like the common theories at the moment are. So, yeah. Gareth, can I just throw a spanner in the works with that theory? We're, 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 right. So I believe we all kind of believe here that Jamie's probably going to kill Cersei. Right. That's probably what we all yeah. agree. But if you listen to the prophecy, um, the Valencar, Valencar shall wrap his hands. He will wrap his hands about your pale white throat. We know that Jamie's only got one hand. 
Discuss. Mm. Oh, great shout! Well, no, he's got he's got his golden hand. It's like they refer yeah. to it. All. It's like that could be his other hand. I mean, um, but still. So I was reading some stuff this morning about Van Car. Um, the theories have gone a little off piste, and I quite like it. Um, have any of you considered that the Van Car doesn't necessarily have to be Cersei's younger brother, but just a younger brother? Yes. So, well, well, look. Even beyond that, though, uh, have we considered, and probably not, but there's constant talk of it being little brother. Now, yeah. if we go back to the prince that was promised, we know that in High Valyrian, there's no uh, gender uh, specific. Um, uh, I don't know yeah. wording, yeah, um, or placement. Yeah. So actually, that translation could be little sibling. It doesn't have to be little brother. It could be little sister. And yeah, you're correct, Emma. Uh, it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be her little brother or her little sister. And actually, if you take out the gender specificness of how we've always referred to it, so little sibling, um, there is a huge part of me that wants that to be Arya. Yeah. And that would fulfil yeah. her list, uh, probably the last name on her list. Uh, well, Melisandre. She's got, the, uh, got Melisandre, the mountain, and Cersei still to kill yeah. on the list. That would be nice. And that, I think that's a, a good shout. But I reckon, I have a feeling Lucy's going to tell us something that is going to... You really actually, want to hear this theory, yeah. don't you? This yeah. is actually what happens. Yeah, go on, Lucy. This is canon. So, essentially, Cersei has her baby she's not lying about the baby she has a baby but she gives birth to a dwarf and obviously she hates dwarves her brother's a dwarf and has caused her a lot of problems in her life so she murders the baby maybe she doesn't murder it maybe she gets the mountain to throw it off the top of the (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jane finds this out that she has murdered their son and kills her so Jesus so So let's get this straight. So you think that Cersei's going to give birth to a dwarf, hate it so much that she kills the dwarf. Jamie like walks in on this scene of her strangling baby dwarf and then kills her. The baby is murdered one way or another. Jamie comes and is like, hey, there's a baby. Oh no, it's a dwarf. He's like, and? Oh no, I got rid of it. And then he's like, incandescent with rage. How could you kill our child? Another one of our child is dead because of you. I don't care. I don't mind dwarves. Like... I'm friends of Tyrion. I don't I mind him. <laughs> and then he tricks her to stab her, but he'll just strangle her because he'll be so full of rage. This isn't, I just read, this, I, my mum told me this theory. My mum. This is pet. Shout out to Lucy's mum. Parental theories. I don't know. I just like the casual, uh, yeah, maybe the mountain throws it out the window. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Maybe he does it. Who knows? How, yeah. how the baby dies is irrelevant. <laughs> we may not see we may not see that he may she may just like give it to the mountain and say like can you sort this out and then when they, <laughs> she's like no the mountain is taking it I don't think her having a dwarf baby is like the most ridiculous thing no uh-huh. no and that is quite tragic and for, for her yeah. ca- for her character I don't it mean it's really tragic laughing, but... but it'd be horrendous if that is actually what happened yeah I think um... not if you write it yeah, Jesus. Well, if you write it, Lucy, I'm worried yeah, about what's going to happen. Um, well, I've got one for Valencar. Yeah, go on. And it relates to the translation being little sibling. Yep. Um, I think, and this is really dark, to be honest. She has, like, a miscarriage um, as, the, um, as the Night King is invading King's Landing. Yeah. He then raises oh God. The, the dead baby. Oh, my God. Right? Whilst, yeah? And that's what kills her. Oh, God. What, like alien? Yeah. Jesus. Horrible. Fucking mm. hell. That's, I mean, John, I don't know where you're reading these theories, bro, or are you just coining them yourself? No, I've actually just come up with that, but... Oh, my <laughs> God. With the Baron car being... So if it is little sibling, does the mm. prophecy say though? Does it say we'll strangle you with his 
hands. Well. Oh, well, the, pro- the prophecy says, shall wrap his hands around your pale yeah. white throat. Yeah, well, it could be a little baby boy. It could oh, be. Gosh. Zombie, zombaby. I've got a light-hearted theory if anybody would like one. Yes, please. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Um, basically, it's just <clears throat> who Brienne of Tarth is a descendant of. Oh, I like this, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. And uh, essentially, it's kind of being confirmed that she is a direct descendant of Sir Duncan the Tall. Oh, yes. Mm. And um, for those who, who don't know who Sir Duncan the Tall is, <laughs> the tool is not a tool. So Duncan Tall is. Um, he was uh, King Aegon's. He was he was yeah. the most important person in his <coughs> life. Um, so King Aegon was. Uh, he was Maester Aemon from the Wall. Uh, anybody remembers him from the show, the old guy at the Wall? Yeah. Um, it was his brother um, who ended up being king of Westeros and he was squire to Sir Duncan the Tall and those yeah. Sir Duncan the Tall and Prince Aegon have, uh, there are uh, three short stories that um, about the two of them and they're amazing stories if anybody if anybody hasn't read the books it's because they they just think it's too much or whatever but loves the show and stuff I would recommend reading um, the Dunk and Egg stories as they're called yeah the hedge knight um, they're called the hedge knight right the hedge, the hedge knight um and yeah uh George actually confirmed that a direct descendant of Sir Duncan the Tall is Brienne of Tarr it's all good stuff it's not a theory though is it most of that's confirmed <laughs> Jesus shot down Gary. oh no no, no I, I love it I actually love it the game ball we all think the game was going to happen, right? Yes. Much later. Much later. But, but, so we think the game ball's happening. That's just everyone disagrees. We don't need to go into it anymore, but we think it's happening. Probably well, episode three or four, if, I think. Um, could it be a case of uh, the hound uh, finds out that Arya's going to go to King's Landing? on her own and he's like I'll go with you and she's like no he's like go on so then they're reunited yeah I mean that might be the dialogue as well to be honest uh, oh God. They're, they're then reunited and then it's a <clears throat> case of them two going to King's Landing on a mission to kill those two Cersei and uh, the Mountain that's, I quite like that oh that's quite good mm, I like that me. I don't know Oh, I can't wait until he rips off his helmet and it's just Joffrey's face. It's not going to be Joffrey's face. <laughs> oh, God. That's our crazy theories, and uh, they are crazy theories. Sorry about that. Not but all let, of them. No, some, some, of, some of that stuff will happen, and a lot mm. of it won't. Let's move on to our predictions for the season eight premiere episode. Um, what do you think will happen in the first episode of season eight? Let's recap where where we're at because <clears throat> war has come down and the White Walkers the, the whites are streaming through. It, given given the uh, the close proximity of everywhere in Westeros in the show to everywhere else, um, Winterfell is going to be under threat pretty soon, isn't it? So yeah. um, I don't I don't I don't know how I don't know how there can be a delay of a confrontation when you think about it. Like, there's got to be some kind of battle that happens at some mm. point soon because yeah. they've got to stop them killing everybody at Winterfell. Yeah. Um, but but obviously you can't you can't just straight away have dragon versus dragon like undead dragon and mm. versus whites like it can't just happen straight away. So I don't know. It is it is actually really hard to predict because that seems like something that's going to happen pretty immediately and I hope that what we see is Tormund and Beric quite quickly and early on yeah because I want to see the aftermath yeah. of that that wall falling down in it um yeah so actually on that I think Beric will die in the first episode mm. okay. trying to uh basically trying to take out 
the Not Nike. Uh, one of the theories was that <clears throat> Beric would spot an opportunity to attack uh, the Night King and end it all. Uh, Beric with this obsession that um, he he has a part to play and that uh, Tormund would be like, no, oh, and uh, he would go and do it anyway. Uh, and then Tormund would just watch him get absolutely annihilated. But something might happen that Tormund has to go back and, and tell John. Yeah, like, like a weakness or something. Um, they see a weakness somehow. Like yeah, yeah. Either a weakness or uh, he can't he can't be defeated in hand to hand combat. Something like that. I don't yeah. Know. Yes, I think Jamie will go to Winterfell um, really quickly, obviously, and see Bran, and it will be like, oh, hi, sorry, I pushed you out the window, and then Bran will go, you didn't murder the Mad King. You had to because he was going to blow the whole place up, and he will just. Do some more truth bombs. I reckon yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah, that'd be nice. Just First episode, Jamie gets to Winterfell. I think John and Danny get to Winterfell. And I see sort of the end of the first episode of season eight, the army of the dead approaching Winterfell. I see it literally mm-hmm. that quickly because <coughs> I, I originally thought that the final battle for the like world would be done at Winterfell. But um, the more and more I think about it, I think they're going to get all the way down to King's Landing. Um, but don't you think that would be well yeah I suppose it probably will but I thought there might be something in the name Winterfell like yeah. that is the place that winter fell yeah no, I, I was, yeah we discussed before didn't we yeah I was always yeah. thinking that but I just I just there's, so, there's the fact they got through the wall and Winterfell is not too far away now I mean I think I could see the next episode Jamie, Danny, John, Sansa, Arya all standing like looking on that Bit that overlooks the hills past Winterfell and they just see the army of the dead come in it's just like oh god so that's it for Game of Thrones from us this season and for Game of Thrones we're probably going to have to wait until 2019 it looks like it's going to be very early 2019 when the final season airs um, but we're not finished necessarily because we are starting our own podcast called Fan Critical we are going to cover films and other tv shows so um keep an eye out for that um the next thing we're probably going to cover in great detail is the walking dead which returns for season eight and we're also going to cover season two of stranger things in october isn't that right guys absolutely Mm. we want to thank everyone who listened to our podcast this is our first season ever doing it and we really appreciate everyone listening to it and we will be back with more content in the next month or so i just want to say thanks to everybody thanks em Thanks, John. Thanks, Gaz. Thanks, Lucy. So hopefully we'll all be able to get drunk and talk about TV shows that we love very, very soon. But thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 See you later. See you. (laughs)